Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Amen. In John chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus is speaking and he says, But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, God is Looking for True Worshipers. Say true. Pray with me. God, thank you for this time together. Thank you for being real. Thank you for being alive. Thank you for your spirit who fills us and guides us, Lord. I pray now that you would anoint me to say what you'd have me to say. Let me say only things that would be sound doctrine that would bring glory to you, God. I pray you give us ears to hear what you have to say to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Worship is fundamental to the life of a Christian. There are some things that are just prerequisites, just just things that should naturally flow, things that should be a part of your life. If you want to be who God has called you to be, there are some things that saved people just naturally ought to do. I'll give you a couple of them. And you tell me if you agree or not. Worship, praise, prayer, Bible study, serving, giving, sharing our faith. These are just fundamental elements of the Christian life. But the reality is everybody who claims the name of Jesus isn't constantly doing all those things. So I heard a lot of yeses. Let me give you room for one more yes. Should those who claim to be Christians be constantly doing those things? Amen. I don't have time to go through all of those different aspects of our faith this morning, but I am going to talk about two very specific things, uh, and that is worship and praise. Put verse 23 back on the screen for me, Deacon. Look at what Jesus says. Now, if you know the story, and I know many of you do, Jesus is at a well when a Samaritan woman comes up and he asks her to give him a drink. So this story is called the woman at the what? The woman at the well. And Jesus is there, and he's talking to this woman, and he's trying to teach her uh, about his father as he always was. And he tells her this, the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. Say now. So if it was already here then, and, and, and it's not changed, it's still here now. So we're in that time. Do you believe we're in the time? We're in the time Jesus is talking about to this woman at the well, and this is the time when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I'm going to help you get the answer because I'm going to be teaching this morning. The, the answer is two words of how the Father is looking for worship in and in, in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship Him that way. I want you to understand this morning, if you don't understand anything else, that all worship is not acceptable. There is a way to worship God. There is a way that God receives worship. And we need to worship God the way he has commanded us to. And we need to be seen of God. 
This, this is why, uh, and I'm going to talk about it in a little bit, raising our hands. Some people don't raise their hands in church. Other people raise their hands all the time. Uh, I love the, the, the old chorus that said, it's me, it's me, it's me, O oh Lord. Standing in the need of prayer. I lift my hand and I let God, why, 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 you're dealing with other folk, God, don't pass me by. Look over this way because I, I love you and I need you. There, there are ways that we can worship God. But if I came row by row and I started with Deacon West and, and went to his lovely wife, uh, who he's given two chairs. Well, she's given him all that leg room. But, and I went all the way around the room. Uh, don't slide over now, big hen. It's all right. We know, we know you love her. He was saving. That's his quick move. Get it. If he has to jump up and save my life, he needs that, that room. But if I started with Deacon West and I went all the way around the room and I said, I want you to give me your top three ways of how you worship God. Do you believe some people would be tongue-tied right then? They would. They, they, would, they wouldn't have a right, ready answer. But the right, ready answer that we need is not an answer of experience. The right and ready answer we need is not an answer of culture. The right and ready answer that we need is not of denomination. Anybody want to take a, a really intellectual guess at where we would get the answer? In the Bible. We get our answer in the Word of God that tells us what this acceptable worship is. And God will only receive worship in spirit and in truth. Do you know the Bible says that the very sacrifices of the wicked are an abomination unto God? God's not so desperate for anything that he'll just take anything. And I want, I want us to learn this morning some ways that we can worship God. And here's the reality. We're going to come back tonight and put those ways into practice. Okay, so I want you to be getting your mind together because here's the reality. Some people are better at praise than worship. Some people are better at worship than praise. Some people are better at prayer than Bible study. Some people are better at Bible study than prayer. Some people are more likely to give all their money to the Lord while some would just go out and talk to anybody about Jesus. There are strengths and there are weaknesses in all of these different aspects, but no one is exempt. See, a lot of people think that because their personality is such that they don't give themselves as freely to demonstrative praise and worship. But I want you to know your personality does not give you an excuse to not worship God. Your personality does not give you an excuse to praise God. Some of you have heard the story before. The way I met Bishop McLaughlin was I saw him in a restaurant, and he I, I was teaching a Bible study to some people in Shoney's on 103rd when it used to be there. And I noticed these three black men, two booths over, staring at our conversation. And so when I finished Bible study, we prayed together, and those three people left. And I walked over to the booth that these three large black men were sitting in. And uh, this, this, this was like 1990. And I walked up to them, and I said, you know, I couldn't help but notice y'all noticed in my conversation with those young people. And, you know, this is 27 years ago, so I was pretty young myself. But I said I was talking to them about God and his son, Jesus Christ. And I was wondering, if you have a moment, could I sit down and share with you how you can have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? So a lot of people know who Bishop is, but I'm the only person that he can think of that ever met him trying to win him to Christ. And so... You know, he was the pastor. He wasn't bishop then. He was pastor. And so the two men who, 
one was a deacon, one was an elder. You know, if the pastor and two men are sitting at a booth, guess who gets the one side to himself? Sure. So he slid over and said, go ahead. And he let me ramble for about 10 or 15 minutes, and then he laughed, told me I'm doing a good job uh, uh, for a white boy, and that would I like to come see his church? And we ended up, and it, it was the church was small back then. It was on seaboard, and uh, his house was townhouse right through the ditch, and we ended up walking through the church and staying up to about 5 o'clock that morning. And when I he went to his church that Friday night, uh, it was awesome. And he asked me after church, he said, how how'd you like the service? And we went out to dinner, and I was like, yeah, it was awesome, man. Great preaching, great word, wonderful people. Um, I said, but all that, all that uh, butt shaking and, and jiving, that ain't me. I said, uh, all, all that booty swaying and body rocking, that just, I told him, I said, I, I, I'm just too white and too tight in the booty to do all that. And he told me something profound then. He said, your lack of melanin and the tightness of your sphincter have nothing to do with God's command on you to give him praise and worship. All right. And so I began my journey then, like I see many people have brought their journey into abundant life. I have had people tell me, I was so shocked our first time I came here, I thought y'all were going to break out snakes. Y'all were so charismatic. And I'm like, we're not hardly charismatic. I mean, we got, you know, five people that maybe really be in love with the Lord. rest of them trying to find their way just like you. And, and I watch these people. See, because honestly, our church, not just weird because we're the most uh, interracial church in, in North Florida. It, it's not just weird because the preacher is weird. Uh, we... It's just weird. It, it's just different, but we have people coming from different backgrounds. We have people coming. See, we're really, this is the weird thing I was, I was, I was going to share with you when my brain tried to let go on a senior adult moment. We have been, I've been told by the charismatics that we're too Baptist for them. And I've been told by the Baptists that we're too charismatic for them. So if you're too charismatic for the Baptists and too Baptist for the charismatics, you got this weird hole, which I like to say is full of spirit and truth. Because the church has been divided over the last century of this crowd over here who they just, they just sit quietly and stubbornly, and the only time they'd even dare to raise their hand is they're ducking out to go to the restroom. Then you got this crowd, uh, and, and they just sit with their Bibles in their laps and take notes over there and, and maybe grunt out an amen once. Then you got this crowd over here jumping pews, rolling in the aisles, hanging from chandeliers, screaming and shouting about everything. But here's the thing. I've spent decades in both of these movements. And I can tell you something really specific about this, th these groups because both of these groups are necessary. Because this group over here thinks that they have a stranglehold on the truth. And in large part, they do have a large volume of truth. This crowd over here can quote more scripture than that crowd can quote. This crowd over here is more intellectual than that crowd is. This crowd over here does more evangelism than that crowd over here. Now, this crowd over here, the preacher don't have to preach as much because he can always fall back on the spirit moving so strong in church today I couldn't even preach. 
which is code for I'm carnal and I didn't study all week long. This crowd over here has a more proper expression of praise and worship, but they don't take time to learn all that, uh, what's it called, Bible. So you got a spirit crowd and you got a truth crowd. But you can't worship God in spirit without truth, and you can't worship God in truth without spirit because God said he's looking for spirit and truth. And that's where abundant life comes in. And that's why we ain't hardly anybody's fit. We're, we're like a, 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 a Thai food restaurant serving pizza. We're, we're like, we're like a, a Puerto Rican restaurant selling grits. You hear what I'm saying? We're, 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 like, we're like a soul food restaurant selling cereal. You see what I Nobody walks into one of those restaurants looking for that. But do you know it's not always what the child wants to eat that's good for them. You got to eat what's good for you. The Bible says you got to eat the whole roll. I want to look at this morning how you can get to give you an answer for how you worship God. If you want to worship God correctly, if you want to worship God in spirit and truth, you have to go to the one who you're worshiping. If you re- see some of y'all take y'all's cars to shade tree mechanics, and that's okay once they're out of warranty. But it, when they're in warranty, if you had the option to take it to the dealer or take it to Joe Buddy's shade tree mechanican, you'd be better to go to the dealer. Why? Because the dealer knows the manufacturer. The manufacturer knows what he designed it to do. And God is a humankind's manufacturer, so if you really want the instructions on what God wants, you got to go to the original manual. See, some of y'all don't still have, see, I got that beat up, busted up, scratched up 2007 with 205,000 miles on it navigator sitting out front. And here's the crazy thing. It's 11 years old, but I still got the owner's manual. Most people with a car that old and that many miles on it couldn't find. Now, you know, if you got that brand new car, oh, you got the extra set of keys. You got the manual tucked in a nice little cover that folds over. Anybody? Uh, y'all know bought a new car? Okay. We have the owner's manual between these covers. And we need to go to the manual that God gave us to find out what real worship looks like. Now, here's the deal. And we talk about this in our midweek Bible study that we call Abundant Life University because we use it as a classroom approach for higher learning. And we talk a lot about the reality that the Old Testament was originally written primarily in what language? Hebrew. And the New Testament was primarily written in what language? Greek. So we have to look to these words. It's not that our English words don't hold up. It's just that you can get more nuance behind the original words. You can get a deeper look into <clears throat> the original words. I use this example all the time. I'll use it and we'll get into it. When I've preached with an interpreter, interpreters uh, that are translating me into Spanish, uh, that language doesn't always correlate. It's not always an exact match for these folk jacked up. It's, it's not always an exact match for uh, uh broke down like four flat tires on a Lexus. They, and I look at the translator when I say colloquial stuff, and they're like, ah, yeah. 
and they're trying to find the word that matches up. Theologians call that the language gap. Sometimes there's a word that doesn't line up exactly. We're talking about thousands of year old words in a different language. Okay, so, so there's a catching up on some of these words, and we're going to look at some Hebrew words and some Greek words this morning. And the primary word, one of the primary words in the Old Testament for worship, the Hebrew word shakal. And this word is used more times in the Old Testament. When you see the word worship in the Old Testament, it's almost always derived from this root word. Now, what's, what's crazy is, I'll, I'll, sh- I'll tell you real quick why language makes a difference. The Bible says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So what do you have to do to be saved? The Bible says the demons believe and tremble. Are they saved? No, they are not. You can believe one way and believe another way. I believe most of y'all are going to stay awake today, but I wouldn't put no faith on it. I believe most of y'all love the Lord, but I wouldn't bet my life on it. See, I believe Jesus Christ died and rose from the dead, and I put everything. There's a le- different types of belief. And so we, we have to look deep into some of these words because worship is a, a large group of words. It, 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 it takes a lot to encompass this one theme. And in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, our English word, that always appears as worship comes from some different original words that it was derived from. The primary word used in the Old Testament for our English word worship is this word, shakar, and it literally means to bow down. Say bow down. It means to make yourself low because you realize that comparatively speaking, God is high and you are low. And I've told you guys a lot of times in America, because America is a nation born in rebellion and sin, which is true. I love America, don't get me wrong, but it's the truth. It's an ind- we value independence. We, we value one of the things, if you go to Disney World and you go to the Hall of Presidents and you listen to that speech, and I'm mad at them because they took Morgan Freeman's voice over and put some woman's voice on it and a man's voice, and it's not as good anymore. But if you go and listen to the story about how America took its first president, they did something different than their English ancestors did. They decided to take a leader from the people, a common person, not a royal person. And America has elected leaders that way. See, other countries understand royalty. King walks in the room, you fall down. See, the army, thank God for the army. Uh, Thank God that in a Navy town, I'm not the only ex-army man in the room. But I don't know how the Navy does it, but in the Army, especially if you're at a TRADOC facility and you are non-rated, E1, E2, E3, and a corporal or higher walks in the building, you got to stand up and you have to give them the greeting of the day. If an officer walks by you outside, you have to salute. There are certain things, just the seeing of that person demands a response. And see, people who live in countries run by royals, they understand how to act when the king, when the queen, when the prince, when the princess walks in. But Americans don't really do well in response because most people have been raised with a, oh, he a man just like I'm a man. Most people have been raised, he ain't special. And Americans don't know how to give honor to whom honor is due. And in, in amongst humans, much less in amongst God. But other cultures 
are very adept because they've been doing it their whole life when the highest ranking person in their government walks in, they put their head on the ground. They bow. They curtsy. They do some type of physical response. I want you to understand that praise and worship are verbs that require physical activity. You can't sit there like a Now, see, you can. You can sit there like a bump on the log and say, I was praising it, but you really weren't. And we'll see that in a minute. In a minute. But it's bow down. That's why I love that song, bow down and worship him. Oh, enter in. You really want to get close to God? You, you don't get close to God with your chest swell out. You don't get close to God with your head high. You get close to God when you do what the word, what the truth of the word is when you bow down. So my question to you, and don't answer out loud, see, because when I talk about praise and worship, I'm not nearly as concerned with what you do in here once or twice a week. These are activities to be done in the secret place. And the Bible says what you do in the secret place, God will reward you openly. Some folk ain't getting no reward. There's a reason why. You're not doing enough in the secret place. That's a different message. I'll leave that alone. But when you are home and you are supposed to be worshiping God, how do you worship him? Oh, I, I, I ride down the road and sing songs. Well, you ain't bowing down riding down the road. You'd be wrecking down the road. Okay? So this, this, there's got to be in the life of a true worshiper a bow down time. A bow down time. A time where you just bow down recognizing God is here. Even though you don't see him, God is here. Even though you aren't hearing him at the moment, God is here. And you pay homage to that. It's a form. It's a truthful way of worshiping God. It's the worship that God accepts to bow down. Say bow down. That's Old Testament. Let me give you a couple of Greek words. In the New Testament, when the New Testament talks about worship, there's two primary words that are used. The first word is proskuneo. I love this word proskuneo because I'm not, per se, an animal person. Okay? Uh, that's why, listen, you know real animal people. I went in a member's house one time. They were sick. I went to do a visit, and they're laying on the couch eating ice cream with a spoon, because that's how you eat ice cream. And they would take some, and they were holding it out, letting their cat lick off. That's so nasty. Now, I ain't an animal person on that level. You've, you've gone into mental health issues at that point. And, and these animals, they, got all, they had like 30-plus animals in this house, cats, dogs, parrots, uh, iguana, uh, it just... And these animals jumping all over me. And this lady looked at me, and this one big dog slobbing on me, licking on, just, and, and she looked at me, and she said, oh, Pastor, uh, he'll be fine. He, he just getting to know you. I'm thinking in my mind, I don't care at all. If, is your dog, I, what, am I fine? I'm not fine. Dog licking on me. I don't pay $125 slack. He dog slobbing on me. When, when your dog jumps on people and you tell people, oh, he's okay, you way too much of an animal person at that point. You done crossed over into the animal kingdom. But even though I'm not there, I grew up with dogs. And I, I, I like dogs. Some of y'all like cats. That tells something about your personality. We can talk about that later. But I had a dog. Gail and I had a dog. 
Um, and this dog was incredible. This, this dog was on my hip all the time. It was a beagle that didn't make a lot of noise. And, was, you know, sometimes they say that the dog and the owner will start to look alike. This dog had, had my personality. He was, he was small and chubby and cute. And the dog's name was Elijah, and we called him Eli. And this dog was so highly trained, I put a milk bone biscuit in my mouth and just put it right there at him and make him wait for three or four minutes. And then when I, then when, when I tell him, okay, all I do is say, okay. And he would just take it softly out of my mouth. I set a milk bone dog biscuit on his long nose and make him sit there for five minutes until he starts shaking. You remember that, Dina? This dog was so trained, and he just his whole body would just be in lockdown. And I say, okay, he'd flip it up in the air and catch it out of the air. Uh, this dog, everywhere I went, he, this dog was on my hip. And, you know, one of them dogs where if you lay down on a, on a different piece of furniture, that dog will move over to the piece of furniture you're in. That's what proskuneo is. The Greek language is an image, a language big on imagery. And here is the meaning that Greeks got from this word. A dog sitting at his master's feet, licking his master's hand. That's real worship. Okay, some of y'all never had a dog like that. I, no matter where I would go, that dog would follow me. And I would go lay down on the couch. The dog would come back right up into the couch lay down, and I just dip my hand across there just to touch him, to let him know I know you're there, and he'd reach up and lick my hand. That's what worship is. Why is that a good picture of worship? Because that dog knew that I was the master and he wasn't. That dog knew if he was going to get anything good in life, it was going to come through me. If he was going to get loved on, it was going to come through me. If he was going to get fed, it was going to come through me. If he was going to get attention paid to him, it was going to come through me. If he was going to have fun, it was going to come through me. And that dog's love for me as his owner, kept him wanting to be close to me, reaching up, making sure that my hand was where he could get to it. That's what worship is. When you just realize that this one person is your everything, that this one person, Jesus Christ, is your all in all, and if you can get anything good, it's going to come from the master's hand. This is what worship is. This is what real worship is. Now, cats, I ain't got nothing for you. But the Greeks didn't look to cats, they looked to dogs. So deal with the Greeks. Okay, so the, the Orientals in, in version, the Persian version of this same Greek word proskuneo, they, they added to that it was the same thing, but always with the head on the ground. Sitting at the master's feet but with the head kept on the ground. And that's why in Oriental customs and, and in Middle Eastern uh, countries, when a uh, potentate walks in, they bow and they put their heads on the ground. This is worship. Now, see, in America, we're proud and we're independent and we're rebellious and we don't understand royalty and we don't know how to relate to kings, much less the king of all kings. And that's why most people in this room have never felt like a dog sitting at the master's feet. What did the psalmist say? Why, why, who am I that, that you should even consider such a dead dog as I? The average American can't get, who are you calling a dead dog? If you don't view yourself in that inferior position to God, you need mental health counseling. God is big and we are small. Can we agree on that? That's proskuneo. That's, that's loving him so much that when he moves, you move. 
He goes in a different room, you go in a different room. He, he walks this way, you walk this way with him. He stops, you stop. He moves, you move. He turns around, you turn around. He gets excited, you get excited. That's worship. That's a real picture of worship. The second Greek word uh, used about as many times, not as much, but used a lot. In our New Testament. See, sometimes when our Bible says worship, it's using this word proskuneo. Other times when it says worship, it's using a different Greek word, latruo. And latruo means to show your love through your service. Do you get that? I'll give you an example. When Gail was alive, she would always want me. And, and she trained me this way from the day we got married. She want me not come to the table until she called me to the table. So I'd just be watching sports. I'd be in my chair reading whatever, and she called me to the table, and she would bring me the food. And some of y'all thinking, oh, you just, look at who are you? This was not my concept. This was her concept. She would bring me the food. And I drink a lot. Uh, not with that way, but I, I, I consume a lot of, of liquid, and my tea glass would run out. And I was not even allowed in her presence to go get my own tea. She wanted to go get my tea for me. Not because, see, some of y'all thinking, oh, you just beat her down. You're a man and she's a woman and you just think gender specific. Uh, no, that's what she wants. She loved to cook for me and she loved to bring stuff to me. That was her way of showing her love for me. When, when I was done, if I got up, start taking, no, baby, I got all that. And see, then we got in pastoring, and we got church folk coming over to our house trying to mess that whole game up. Some of y'all women that don't worship y'all's man. Some of y'all women. And the Bible says, even as Sarah worshiped Abraham, you got to be this way unto the Lord for your husband. And these new age church members would come by, and they'd be like, well, ain't you just spoiled? I'm blessed. My woman loves me, she, and she loves taking care of me. And, and, then, and then when these new age women would always chime up, I, I just couldn't get with that. You just had to, you, you, you couldn't be married to me. And I'd say, absolutely, no, I could not. There ain't even a discussion. Because in, in, in our home, listen, you ain't in your home. They say, in our home, if I cook, he does the dishes. I said, well, she's not doing the dishes because I make her do the dishes. She's doing the dishes so I can get back in that recliner, put my feet up, because that's what she wants me to do. And I say, well, when I cook, he does the dishes. When, when he cooks, I do the dishes. And when, when do you cook? I don't. As long as Gail was alive when we were married, I never cooked a meal. I never washed a dish. I never washed a load of clothes, dried a load of clothes, uh, and, and people sitting there thinking, oh, he just that kind of just, uh, what do you call it, chauvinist. No, she loved doing that because she, it was a way that she could show her great love. She had this great love, and she needed an outlet. And this is why many pastors preach series and books are titled, Our Labor is Our Worship. Because that's what Latruo is. It's acts of service to show your love. Now, here's the question. What labor do you do to show your love to God? 
Now, if you sing on the praise and worship team, you got a right, ready answer. If you work in food and clothing, you got a right, ready answer. If you work in inspirational care, you got a right, ready answer. If you, if you help out in any capacity, then you can point to it. But a lot of people can't point to it. So where is their worship? See how quiet that got? Mm. I, right, right out of a Greek dictionary, I'm going to give you a word-for-word definition for Latruo out of a Greek dictionary. To render religious service to show one's love for the greater. To, re- to render religious service to show one's love to the greater. Now, what religious service do you render? You got to do something inside the church because the church is the, the hands and feet, the arm of God that's touching the world today. Well, I volunteer at the hospital. A lot of lost folk volunteer at the hospital. Do they let you preach Jesus only at the hospital? No, they don't. Try that openly and find out. That's not their policy. Okay, so this is what real worship is. It's service. Say service. Because you love somebody. Now, ladies, if you're trapped in a home where the man mistreats you, if you're trapped in a home where a man deserves that you serve him and he don't serve you, then that's wrong because the Bible says that husbands and wives submit to each other. God God is not chauvinistic, and she didn't do those things because they were demanded. She did those things because it brought her joy to do things for me. It's just like after I get done preaching. Either Deacon West will, will, will ask one of my sons, uh, one of my two biological sons, uh, and my youngest son turned 14 uh, yesterday. Happy birthday to him. Amen. Our, our senior women's member, Miss Irene, has a birthday today. Happy birthday to you. You didn't call my birthday because you got a stank attitude. No, not really, because I didn't know it was your birthday. She wanted to show that love. Deacon West will come up and, and see if I need anything. My kids will come up. They, they know I've had a back surgery, a neck surgery recently, and waiting on another back surgery. They, they want to carry my Bible. This is not like, I mean, I've seen that abuse in churches. Pastor with three members, all three of them armor bearers. Pa- pa- pastor with five members, some little old, sh- little old short midget in, in, a, in a tight suit. Carrying his Bible like this behind him. That's ridiculous. You carry your own Bible up into the pulpit. After I'm sweating, and, and you've been around me, you know my socks and my underwear sweat wet when I get done. You put your hand around my back, you find out. And so they're carrying my Bible not because I ask them to. Not because I, I ever said they should. They're just looking for a way to show their love to me because they appreciate me. What way do you look to show that kind of servitude love to God? Because if you're not doing that, you're not worshiping. Because worship ain't what you want it to be. Worship is what the book says it is. All right? So let's, let's keep moving. There, there's a less used, uh, very infrequently, I think it's only used three times in the New Testament uh, for worship. Uh, the word doxa, from where uh, we get that great hymn called the doxology. And um, that song is an expression of 
worship. It's an expression of pouring out love. But the word doxa means to give a favorable opinion from you to someone you admire. You could doxa a human being. You, you, you could doxa, uh, I mean, everybody in the building knows that I admire my sister. She's my big sister. She always did stuff before I did it. She always did stuff better than I did it. I, I doxa my big sister on a regular basis. She's administrator of our church. She keeps everything functioning, everything row, rowing in the right direction. My opinion of her is unchangeably favorable. Do you get that? This is what doxa means. That your opinion of someone you view greater, that is unchangeable. See, here's the reality. People say, oh, I don't go to church anymore because all them people are hypocrites. Well, you go to Winn-Dixie. No hypocrites. You go to Walmart. I mean, you go to Publix. You, you go to your home. There's hypocrites living there. But people, people want to bash the church. We who are truly saved do not come to church to worship people who are hypocrites. We come to church to worship God who is perfect. I hear people talk about church hurt. I like to remind them they know church hurt. The Bible says the church is perfect, spotless. See, some people think that God ain't come back for us yet because we're try still trying to get spotless and without wrinkle. The church is already spotless and without wrinkle. God sees the church through the eyes of the blood of Jesus Christ. He sees us as righteous. That, that's what the Scripture says. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. God sees the church as perfect. So the church didn't hurt anybody. People hurt somebody. And if you let somebody who you think, slighted you, I ain't never going back there. That pastor looked at me and turned the other way. I might not have even seen you. Or I might have had something that you didn't want to hear to say to you. So I was trying to spare you. You, you say, so-and-so walked past me, didn't even shake my hand. Well, are you here for so-and-so? Are you here for the pastor? That's foolishness. That's religious. We're not here for fallible people. We're not here for, the Bible says, every human being is I love the King James. It says, and hypocrite. We, we don't say and in front of H words. But every, we, we're all hypocrites, so you ought to know that going in. You, people are like, well, I, I found out that, that my pastor wasn't perfect, so I had to leave that church. Well, you came in stupid. <laughs> or you came into a lying preacher who made you think he should be on a pedestal. We come... Because we have a high and unchangeable opinion about the greatness of God. It doesn't matter what culture says. It doesn't matter what politicians say. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world says. Our opinion of God is unchangeable. We're never going to stop loving him. We're never going to stop serving him because he has revealed himself to us. Can somebody say amen? So that's, that's doxa. That, 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 that's, that's worship, that's, that's your opinion of God is so high that it doesn't matter what somebody tells you about them. That, that, that goes hand in hand with the love chapter in the New Testament that says love thinks no evil and believes no evil. If you told me you saw Deacon West last night on Avenue B try, trying to get a $20 crack hit, I would say that was not Deacon West. You're wrong. Because my opinion of Deacon West is unchangeable and it's favorable. See, that's doxa. My opinion, of, I love, see, the, the people you really love, you just, I don't believe that. 
if you pulled out your phone and showed me video. That's Photoshop. That's edited. That was not my friend buying crack because he don't do crack. See, some of y'all just buy into gossip because you don't know how to love anybody. And then if he came to me and said, I need to tell you something, Pastor. Last night I had XXYZ and this, this, and this, and I ended up down here. I stayed up in repentance all night long. I have, I have confessed my sin to God. God has forgiven me, and I just want you to know that you still love me even though I ain't perfect. And, yes, I still love people who ain't perfect. Can somebody say amen? An opinion of the greater that is unchangeable. This, this is what real worship looks like. I'm going to switch gears on you for a minute because worship will lead you to do something else that we call what? Praise. Say praise. I'm going to give you some quick verses and we're going to get out of here. Psalms 104 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Okay, so let's look at it. Now, we know that when we're reading we want to comprehend what we're reading. We talk a lot about comprehension at Abundant Life because we're a Bible church. And when you're reading, you pay attention to what? Punctuation. So let's take this in phrases. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, comma. That's cause for pause. You've got to stop and try to chew on that for a minute. Take it in a bite-sized piece that you can digest. Enter into his. That H should be what? Capitalized. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving because it's talking about our great God. So enter into God's gates with thanksgiving. So guess what there is around God? Gates. Some people can get in and some people can't get in. Now, who can get in according to this first phrase in verse 4? People who are coming with what? Thanksgiving, if you don't have thanksgiving in your heart, you can't even get into the area God is. Bitter people can't get next to God. Negative people can't get next to God. Bad-mouthing folk can't get next to God. Gossipy, mean, ignorant folk can't get next to God. You have to come to God with thanksgiving in your heart, in your mind, in your mouth. You want to get near God? You don't, there's, there's an access. Say access. The access point begins with thankfulness. Is there anything that you're thankful to God for? Stop, start concentrating on that more than you concentrate on who scored the most points in last night's game. Start concentrating more on that than you concentrate on your children, your friends, and your social media. Thanksgiving will get you moving in God's direction. But there's another phrase in there. Let's read between the punctuation again. And into his courts with what? So there's a gate in the bigger area. But there's a courtyard in the closer area. You get into the yard by being thankful. But if you want to move into where he is, you want to get into his room, you got to bring praise. Not what your idea of praise is and not what my idea of praise is. Not what white people think praise is, what black people think praise is, what Hispanic people think praise is, what, what Indian, what all seven continents, whatever people. It's not what people think praise is. It's what the book says. It's always what the book says. So the way to get close to God, you got to even hope for it, you got to be thankful. How thankful have you been lately? 
you need to get it in your mind. In your mind. Now, see, here's one way where culture has helped a large group of people. And I've been uh, one of only two white members in an all-black church. Uh, y'all know me and who? White Wendy. And they called her White Wendy because they were already a black Wendy, and there was, you know, 300 people at, 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 at the church at that point. Uh, and so it was me and White Wendy, and White Wendy was only there. Why? Because she was chasing black Henry. Uh, she did marry him, but they're divorced now, so that's a long story. She's a single mother raising three children now, but that's a long story. Culture has helped some people to expose them. See, this is what Bishop taught me. It's not how white you are, how tight your sphincter is. It's about obeying God. It's about exposing yourself to truth and getting comfortable with it. And see, some people... Uh, I, I, I use, and there may be some white churches that, that got, got Sister Mary in it, but every good black church has uh, that, that one sister in it who helps everybody to know that we need to be thankful. Because Sister Mary, from the beginning to the end, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, thank you, Jesus, ah! thank you, whoa, thank you, ah! thank you, whoa, ah! hey. Anybody ever seen Miss Sister Mary? Okay, so that's the cultural side that helps you get biblical. Then let me bring you all the way around the block to Sadiddy white people who are sitting there thinking, it don't take all that. It don't take all that. Y'all remember if you read the Old Testament story about the greatest worshiper, David, he married a stiff-necked, rebellious, sedity woman who told him his praise was, was, was disgusting. So you, you, you got out there dancing with common folk, looking like a poor beggar out there. You're supposed to be the king. And he told her, I will be even more undignified than this. There was no limit, David. David didn't care who thought his praise looked ridiculous. He didn't care who thought it didn't take all that. He knew, it, listen, it takes all that times 10, times 310, times 3,010. You can't praise him enough. You can't thank him enough. So, see, Sister Mary helped us with thank you, thank you. You need to get thank you, Jesus, in your mouth. Here's the reality. If I, boy, if I had my phrase-o-meter today, I'd just start with Deacon West. I'd hang it on his neck, and I'd, I'd, I'd have thank you, Jesus, on the needle in this way, and I'd have, oh, crap, on, 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 on the needle in this way. I said I wasn't going to say that word in the pulpit anymore. Oh, shoot. And I would, I would hang it on his neck. And, and I would see which way the needle went. And then when I worked it around to you, I hang my phrasometer on your neck. And I find out what phrase has come out of your mouth the most this week. Thank you, Jesus. Or oh, whatever. You better stick with Miss Mary. If you want to be close to God, you got to be thankful. You 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 got to you got to be praising Him. Uh, Psalm one eleven one says, "Praise ye the Lord." And this, listen to what the psalm said: "I will praise the Lord with my whole heart." Okay, now here's what we know: all the Bible students know that we have these stories for our what? 
examples. That's what the scripture says. We have these stories for our example. If you do what they did, you will get what they got. The psalmist had great intimacy with God and power with everyone. And he said, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. Nothing holding back. Now, see, I understand because I had to go through that transition, uh, being the only white dude in, in the church, being coming, coming from a cultural difference, coming from a denominational difference, going, going into uh, a church with a, with a more proper biblical expression of praise and worship. And I had my own journey that I see people coming in with now. They come in with that deer in the headlights look. You can always spot the racist, too. They don't want to put the purse right close to them, loop their arm through it. Some of these white people steal from you, too. We, don't even, we ain't going to get on the Puerto Ricans because Nixon's close enough to throw something at me. I'm going to stand over here. But some people come in with that deer in the headlights look, and they're like, oh, this is a lot to take in at one time. And they see some people, not enough, they see some people truly worshiping God. They see some people, not enough, truly praising God. And I've watched people's journey, and it's a very typical journey. It's similar to my journey. As they come back, they're like, okay, this ain't bad. All right, okay. There ain't no snakes coming out. These people seem nice. And then they're like, everybody's lifting their hands, and they're like, oh, so I'm right here. I got my little praise thing going now. And then they get to here. And then they stick around long enough, they're all just food dealing. Ah! And then that's the process. But you got to get there because it requires you to praise the Lord with your whole heart. And look where he's specified because the Bible's a specific book. He said, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright, comma. So where is the psalmist praising the Lord with his whole heart? In the assembly of the upright. We are the assembly of the upright and if you don't praise the Lord with your whole heart you are a scripture violator do you hear me I got good news for you God forgives us of our sins if we confess them and change you don't want to be confessing the same sin all the time you, you, you the Bible says if you hold on to your sin God when I hear you when you pray so the psalmist says when I go to church I'm throwing down. I'm not concerned with what anybody thinks about my praise. I'm giving it full scale. I've had people come to me from more charismatic churches and say, Pastor, is it okay for me to lift my hands? I'm like, you, ain't seen, you better be seeing people lifting their hands. Is it okay for me just to take the seatbelt off and worship God? Well, depends on what you call the seatbelt. See, the Bible says that the armor of God has a belt of truth, which is the word of God. So everything we do, we do wrapped up inside the Bible. Now, I don't see jumping chairs and screaming, barking like a chicken in the Bible. I don't see rolling on the ground and foaming at the mouth in the Bible, but I see singing, I see dancing, I see lifting hands, I see shouting, I see excitement in the Bible. These are things that we should be doing wholeheartedly. And many of you are stuck in that it don't take all that when it takes a whole lot more than that. Psalm 135.3 says, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. 
Okay, so let's start with the last part first. The last phrase says, for it is pleasant. It's pleasant according to who? God. God says that this is pleasant. God says this is how we should do it. God says this is what is acceptable. Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. We praise the Lord because he's good. Some people only praise the Lord when things are going good. Check one, two. It, does, it shouldn't matter. I almost said it doesn't, but I've been in church too long. I know it does to many people, but it shouldn't matter if the bills are paid or not. It shouldn't matter if you think you hear the tow truck hooking up your car to drive it off in the parking lot right now. It shouldn't matter what you got going. It shouldn't matter if you're going through hell by the acre. It shouldn't matter if you're married to the meanest woman or man that ever drew a breath. It shouldn't matter if all your bills are late and your lights are turned off. When you come into church, you ought to praise him because he's good. Things should not regulate your praise. The goodness of God should regulate your praise. Things should not excite you for God. God should excite you all by himself. Psalm 150, verse 6, the end of the Psalter, says, Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And then it's got these four words. And I don't know that word ye throws some of y'all. So say you. Praise you, the Lord. You praise the Lord. You. you well, I, if I, until I see everybody perfect, I ain't, what? There is a command of God to every individual that names the name of Christ that, now I told you, when we study the Bible, we look for promises, right? You've learned that. We look for something else. We look for commands. Praise ye the Lord. That's a command. That's not optional. If you don't do that, you are a scripture violator. You are in sin. And if you choose to keep not doing it, then you remain in sin. And if you remain in sin, the scripture says God won't hear you when you pray. Some of y'all trying to do y'all's best. Y'all living so much. You, you, you're serving. You're showing up. You're, you're paying tithes, giving offerings. And you're wondering why there's still this. See, because if you've been in Christ long enough, you know when it's like, Mm, it's a little icky when you know it's just like, bam, lockdown. Some of y'all don't, you don't hear what I'm saying, but some of y'all know what I'm talking about. You're wondering why it's still like a square peg in a round hole. Because you won't praise him with your whole heart. You're not giving him anything. You're not, you're not showing love through serving. You're, you're not laying at his feet, kissing his hand. You're not stuck on him. You, 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 you're not doing what the Bible requires. And, and that, that's why you can't make that final push. Psalm 22.3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. Thou that inhabits the praises of Israel. God inhabits the praises of his people. Most versions, because it stays truer to the Hebrew phraseology, says that God is enthroned or he reigns amongst the praise when praises go up blessings come down some of y'all not being blessed enough you need to send up more praise because the place where god is 
is the place where he's being praised. That's what this verse teaches. He inhabits, he dwells in that place. He's enthroned in that place. He's made who he, he's recognized as who he is in that place when you praise him. It shouldn't matter what song they sing. It shouldn't matter with tempo. It shouldn't matter the cultural preference. Here's the thing. I preach in all kinds of churches. And I just I I don't want to offend anybody, but y'all know I've said it a thousand times on tape, so it's all it's out there for real. I'd rather be beat in the face with a dead rat than have to listen to Southern gospel music. That's just not my thing. I'm not, I ain't saying it's wrong. It's just not it's just not my groove. If that's your groove, praise the Lord. Uh, but here's so I go to some churches. They 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 say Jesus sat on the mountain. Yes, he did. And I'm like, oh. But then I have to get my mind right, and I just sing them. I sing a new song. I praise them no matter what they're singing. I I, I just start wor- I'm a, I'm a wor- I'm not going to come to the assembly of the upright and not worship him. I'm not going to come to the assembly of the upright and not praise him. See, because it's indicative of what we do when we're away from here. See, one one Greek mindset for praise was a boiling over that's erupting. Okay, and here's the reality. If you've been praising him at home all week long, if you've been worshiping at home all week long, if your mouth and your mind and your heart is just full of thankfulness and praise to the Lord, it, hey, it only takes a spark to get a fire going. You get around somebody else and you just boom, fly. it's just boiling up and running over in you. We need to take the shackles off and praise the Lord for real. Okay, so thinking about praise. If I, if I started with Mr. C., and I went all the way around the room, and I came back and finished up with Deacon West, and I said, how do you, don't answer, think in your mind, how do you praise the Lord? If you had to give this whole assembly of righteous people right now, we're not righteous because we do right, we're righteous because of Christ. If you had to give your definition of how you praise the Lord specifically, how many people believe somebody don't have a spirit and truth answer in them? They don't. Because I've asked this question to thousands of people, and I get the same answer all the time from people who aren't really well-versed in praise. Well, Pastor, I praise him in my heart. And that's beyond ridiculous. Praise is a verb. You don't do verbs in your heart. And y'all know my example for this. If, if I met somebody, uh, y'all pray for, look at that. You see that? If Brother David was here, y'all pray for Brother David. He just had back surgery. I've been talking to him uh, constantly this week, keep him in prayer. Um, but he loves to fish. And he catches, I mean, he catches monsters, man. He put them on social media. He catches big. I don't know if y'all ever seen any fish he catches, but he catches big fish. And if I walked up to him and he, he, was, he was talking about catching fish, and I said, oh, fishing, man, fishing, is that's me. I love me some fishing, man. I'm all about fishing. Fishing is my thing. That's, I do fishing with, with, all, with my whole heart, man, I'm in. And he said, well, do you like saltwater or freshwater fishing? And I said, oh, you mean like, like, like touching bait and, and, and wet things? Oh, no, I don't, I don't actually do it. I just fish in my heart. You would see how ridiculous that is. Uh, our, our, our praise and worship minister, Jeff Harris, it, it loves golf. And if any of you men want to play golf, wave, wave at him, Jeff. If any of you men want to play golf, see, see Brother Jeff. And if, 
I live in the community with the best golf course in North Florida. If they have Tiger Woods and the rest of them coming out here, it's only it got like six tee box sets up out there. But I don't play golf. But if I did, if if Brother Jeff and some other guys were talking about golf, and I came up and I said, "Oh man, golf! Yeah, that's my thing, man. I live in Eagle Landing. We everybody out there golfs. Everybody got a golf cart. They live on a golf cart. I'm just all about golf. I'm into golf, man." And he says, uh, "Oh well, how, how long are you off the tee?" I'm like, "What was swinging a club? I don't know. No, I golf in my heart." Are you getting the level of ridiculousness yet? Deacon Johnson is a personal fitness trainer. If Deacon Johnson was talking to somebody about a fitness plan, and I'm like, oh, man, y'all talking about pumping iron? Man, that's me. I'd have to be on the phone if they were looking at me. They'd know better. But if I said, oh, pumping iron, man, I'm, I'm ooh, working out. Man, now you're singing my song. That's what I'm about, working out. And then if Elder Keon said, well, do, do, you, do you do a lot of cardio? You're working on free weights. You're using... Machines, isometrics, you're doing plyometrics. What, what, and I'd be like, what? You mean like actually showing up somewhere and sweating? Oh, no, man. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't work out like that. I work out in my heart. Anybody getting how ridiculous this is yet? Or y'all need another example? Y'all want my cooking example? My sewing example? Y'all want my long-distance running example? I do all those things in my heart. And guess how much gets done? Nothing. You can't do this in your heart, praise is a verb, and I'm going to give you real quick how to praise him. See, because we're going to have praise and worship night tonight, and we're going to come back and we're going to put this into practice. Some people are, some people, listen, some of y'all are so negative, you need to free yourself from that. Some of y'all are so rebellious, you need to free yourself from that. Some of y'all are so traditional and stuck where you were that you can't get to where God has you. So, I mean, some of y'all are just so Baptist, you wouldn't raise your hands if somebody stuck a gun at you and said, put your hands up. Not me, Doc, I'm Baptist. Won't do that. Some of y'all wouldn't raise your, some of y'all wouldn't be excited, I mean, for nothing. But you ought to have your praise ready when you come to church. Because you've been doing it all week long. All right, so let me give you some New Testament words for praise, Greek words. You don't need to learn how to speak Greek, but these, these words expand our words. Six different words. Every time in the English, this word is in our Bible is praise, but it's six different words in the New Testament. The, the first one is aenesis, and it means to thank, to thank. So when, if I come up to you and say, how do you personally praise God, what can you say that would be a truthful answer? I thank you. All right, well, now you've stepped in it because God is looking for worshipers to worship him in spirit and in what? Truth is about Jesus said in John chapter 17 that God's word is truth. Okay, so you worship him in spirit and the way the Bible tells you to. That's what in truth means. And so this original word that was written in the New Testament is Aenesis, which means to thank. You need to get thank you, Jesus, in your mouth. That's a biblical expression of praise. Another Greek word is aenos, and they both come from the same root word, but this one means to retell a story for another's benefit. To retell a story for another's benefit. Now, if I was going to tell you a story about my sister, do you think I would tell it to make her look good or horrible? Right, because that's what love does. 
all right? But when, if you want to have an acceptable, truthful way, a biblical way of praising God, you got to go tell the story of Jesus and his glory. How much, how much time do you spend telling people the story of Jesus? How much time do you tell people about your own testimony? How much time do you spend telling stories that benefit God? See, there's lots of people out there saying God ain't real, Jesus ain't real, the, the, the white devil's God is Jesus when Jesus ain't white to begin with. Uh, he, ain't, he ain't dark black either, but that's a different message. Um, do you tell people how great God is? Some do, some don't. This is an acceptable way. It's a truthful way of praising him. The next word is doxa. We looked at that earlier. It's used as a worship word and as a praise word. It's an opinion that gives glory, honor, or dignity. When you talk about God, you're expressing your opinion. What is your opinion of God? It, that word glory, I've told you before, means weight. Say weight. If Deacon West got caught with that crack and arrested, he called me in as a character witness for him because I want to add weight to his case. Do you get that? You don't call a character reference on your behalf to come and say, well, he is just a shot-out drug addict, but you judge. Probably got all kinds of things on him, too. Yeah, you know, that, that's, that's not adding weight to his claim that he's a decent human being. When you dox a God, you give your credibility to God's claim. Now, see, this is where some of us need to start living better so our, our claims are credible. Because if, you know, if, if drunk Johnny tells you a story, you got to know he was probably drunk when he saw it. There ain't a whole lot of credibility right there. But you, we are to give God glory, and glory, that word means to add weight, which is credibility. God says he's good. If you walk around busted, disgusted, and can't be trusted, you can't give God glory. If you walk around, look like you've been sucking on lemons and, and, and sour patches, you can't give God glory. If you walk around bad-mouthing everything, you're not adding any weight to God's claim of greatness. I mean, if some, if some broke, depressed, miserable, worst person you ever met says, well, come to my church, you can have what we got. I think I'm going to look for something a little bit better than that. God is great. And our claim that, that God is great should be a credible claim to add weight to what God is saying. The next Greek word, apiehineo, means to applaud. And that's why preachers say, come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise, because that is what praise is. See, praise is a lot of different things. The first one we looked at is to say thank you to God or to Jesus, because Jesus is God. Read the Bible. First, first in John will tell you that. Say thank you to God. Clap your hands for God. I specifically stand here as the senior pastor and founder of this church and tell people, not this is an example, you don't have to, and tell people, come on and clap your hands for the Lord. And some people just stare at me like, uh, I ain't clapping for nobody. Well, you know, hell's forever. Do you clap? You ought to clap your hands. In. All these things you should be doing in your secret place. You say, Pastor, do you really clap your hands when nobody's there? 
God's there, and that's who I'm clapping for. We're only in church for a couple hours a week. We, you, if you read more Bible in church than you do out of church, you're unbalanced. If you sing more songs in church to God than out of church, you're unbalanced. If you do anything for the Lord more in church than out of church, you're unbalanced. So clapping is a biblical expression of praise. The next word is apahinos, similar root word, but it means to acclaim as commendable, i.e. Anybody know what i.e. means? Id est, which means that is to say, there's a little expression for this Greek word, apahinos, to say God is great. Yeah, it ought to be on your mouth. I already told y'all. Uh, talking to yourself is a good thing. Answering yourself is a bad thing. Having a two-way conversation with yourself, that's, that's a mental health issue. But I, I already told y'all, man, if, if I, I'm in my house sometimes by myself, the uh, house makes weird noises, it creaks, and it, I get the woo-woo in me, I just start talking out loud about how good God is. Thanking Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Glory to God. God is awesome. God is for me. And, and expressions that declare God's greatness. This, this is like I'm speaking a foreign language to some of y'all. Y'all ain't never thought about or even going to try any of this. So let me hurry up and get done. Uh, that's number six, humneo, which means to celebrate in song. Now, cool in the game. Sang a song, celebrate. Anybody remember that? There it is. Now, my kids know. See, Hitch taught a generation of white people to not try to get funky, but just. I had my first dance class in high school, skipping school, when this boy we called Taterhead, little sister, wanted to show her older brother and all his friends, because we was making homemade pizzas, which was uh, bread in the oven with a slice of pepperoni on it and cheese. And she told us, well, y'all go dance and just do this. She's a 10-year-old girl just, just teaching us one, two, three, four, step rock back. Some of y'all don't even celebrate to the hitch level, to that 10-year-old girl level. When you celebrate in song, listen, here's the reason why it's easier to be on stage as a praise and worshiper than it is as a pastor. Because when you have to look out, Think about what it must be like for Brother Jeff and the rest of these people to look out at. So, and isn't that what you see? And so, but praise and worship, they, they can just lose themselves. In, they can just go eyes closed and just hallelujah to God. God save some of these ignorant folk out here, Lord. Free some of these religious spirits. And, and they just, see, the pastor got to keep his eyes closed or he'll trip on something. The pastor got to keep his eyes open. And I can tell you this. There ain't a whole lot of celebrating during the singing. But it should be. If you want to get close to God, you're going to have to praise him. How do you praise him? you got to celebrate in song. Some of these things are going to come natural. Some of these things are going to be more difficult. But no one is exempt. Some of you are going to be able to say thank you, Jesus, a lot more than you 
are comfortable celebrating while singing. But you still have to do it. You still have to do it. Why? Because it's a whole heart thing. It's not a pick and choose. It's not a la carte. It's not buffet. This is all or nothing. All right. Now I'm over time, but I'm going to run through these. These are the best words, the most used words in the Bible for praise. I'm going to give you seven of them, and it's going to be quick. Yada. Yada, which means to hold out the open hand. People say, Pastor, why do we lift our hands in church? Because many times when the Bible says, praise ye the Lord, if you look at it, it says, yada Jehovah. And that means lift your hands to God. We get it in our English version as praise ye the Lord, and most people don't really have a true expression of praise because they never have been taught, and so they just think they're praising him in the heart. No, if you want to praise him, you got to extend your hand to him. Well, why do we? I give you the best answer my mom ever gave me. What is it? Because I said so. God said to do it. That's a lot of different reasons why. I mean, the ancients would lift their hands to God to show that my hands are clean. The ancients would lift their hands to God to show what the hymn writer knew. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling. I'm empty-handed before God, but I'm reaching up. There's a lot of different reasons, but the primary reason why you should lift your hands, listen to me, non-hand raisers, God said lift your hands. Worship leaders now, here's what's become popular of worship leaders now in America. And I don't like this expression, but I get where it comes from in their heart. Worship leaders sit behind the keyboard and say, come on, I dare you. I just dare you right now to give him a shout of praise. I just dare you right now just to lift your hands to God. I just, I just dare some of y'all right now to come on and shout, dance, leap before the... And they're daring people to do what God has commanded them to already do because they realize these people ain't going to do it for God. Maybe I got to juice them up. Let me tell you something. Neither me nor Brother Jeff is here to juice anybody up. If he's got to sing you happy or if i got to preach you happy, you're in the wrong place. Because this is here spirit and truth. And you got to bring your own praise to God. you got to lift your own hands to God. And look, the second word is tauta. Look, look at what this is. The extension of the hands by a group. Now, I want to tell you something. When other people are lifting their hands and you're not lifting your hands, you are a scripture violator. You are not doing what God has commanded us to do. We, there should be an expression where in unity we lift our hands together. That's, that's the Hebrew word, tauda. The most used word, the third word, is translated more than any other word for praise. Listen to this. To shine forth, to celebrate, to act foolishly, to boast about, to lose your mind in celebration or to rave. Some of y'all dignified folk are already just choking on that right there. It's like, mmm. No, this, this y'all, y'all know, some, some of y'all know my example. Man, you, you want to you see Hallel? Go to a football game on a great comeback when your team comes from behind or go to a basketball game and they make that last shot. Total strangers high-fiving, screaming, bumping, wow, don't even know what they're yelling. Just excited because of celebration. You want to see it? Go to a Third grade, I can't stand these false graduations. Give them to everybody a trophy for doing nothing. Go to a third grade graduation in Middleburg. It does not matter what the principal says. Please hold your applause until the end, and we will congratulate all of our third graders together. Okay, so, you know, you got some people. 
We got some people. Uh, Mary Beth Anderson. LaQuisha Seabrooks, Tanavia, Lawanda Jackson. Now, if that don't get Sister Mary, this next one is going to get reaction for sure. Billy Bubba Ray Chuck Davis. Whoa, Bubba! Bubba! Cowbell ringing. Ding, 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 ding. Bubba about to get his clap. Billy Ray Sr., he don't care what that lady said. That's my little Bubba. And he came to celebrate his Bubba, and he wasn't going to let no sadiddy woman with a microphone stop him from screaming, woo-hoo, Bubba. That's hello. The next word is tahila, which comes from halal, but it's done while singing. If you're singing a song about somebody that you love, that you believe is good to you, please let your face know it. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Yeah, that's good. If you're happy and you know it, stomp your feet. Go ahead and do that. But for God's sake, let your face know it. You're supposed to be celebrating. Tahila is a wild, ranting, and raving celebration while singing is going on. We got a long way to go. Last three, and I'm done. Barak. All these words. When you read in your Bible, it says, Praise the Lord. It's one of these seven words. Barak, in, in these Old Testament words, if you're reading in the Old Testament, means to kneel, to honor God as an act of adoration by kneeling. We used to see this more than we see it now. People used to come to the altar while praise and worship was going on and just kneel in God's presence. Some people come to the altar during preaching and just kneel in God's presence. It, it, it's Barak. It means to, to praise God, to, to kneel, to, to show your affinity toward God by kneeling in his presence. This next one is easy for me. It's hard for some of y'all. Shabbat. It means to be loud. But I'm just not, Pastor, you're just so, like, people would freak out. My house is the lar probably the loudest house you'll ever go to. Because me and, me and my boys, we, we yell and laugh and howl. And, and uh, they had to come running down last night. Fawn Maker hit a follow-up dunk. I stood up and screamed. It, it was just violent. And they both come running down. They didn't realize the game had started. And I, it's easy for me to be loud. I'm a loud person. I, 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 shouting comes natural to me. But if it doesn't come natural to you, that's not an excuse. It's not an excuse. You still have to do it. God's not asking. God's telling. And if you don't get loud, if you won't shout to God, if you won't elevate your voice while you sing, if you won't elevate your voice while you say, thank you, God, if you won't get loud, then you are not praising God in truth. This is the manual. And the last one is Zamar, which is a celebration in song and music. See, because the Hebrew people would sing songs with and without music. So we've already seen Tehillah, but this is a similar thing, but when musical instruments. You ought to be wildly celebrating God at all times. 
listen, here, here's what I know. If we're not praising him, we're doing something wrong. If you love God and believe God has done something for you, it ought to be easy for you to praise him. See, here's the reality. If you come in here and you start talking about how great the uh, Florida Gator program is athletically from top to bottom, always ranked in the top five schools in, in broad base from tennis to golf to swimming. If you start blowing up University of Florida, woo, go Gators, go Gators, you'll get my attention. Deacon West will stare at his feet like, there they go. Them Gator fans. You, you come, you walk up on me and Deacon West, and you start talking about them Seminoles and Bobby Bowden. And, uh, ooh, uh, you start doing all that vomit. You, you're going to get his ears perked up, and I'm just going to puke all across the floor. If you start talking baseball of any team, I, I, I listen, I love baseball. If you talk to Elder Jimmy about baseball, the Cubs, his family's family's family love the Cubs. He goes see the Cubs every year. He loves the Cubs. Uh, I'm like, yeah, the Cubs, whatever. They finally won one. Okay, woo. But if you talk about the Atlanta Braves, now I'm in a whole different level of listening and participating. Why? Because it's easy to participate with someone loving on the thing you love. When we love on the thing you love, you ought to join in with us. When we brag on the thing you, you say you brag on, you ought to brag in with us. When we give honor to the one we give honor to that you say you give honor to, you ought to give honor with us you see there's only two types of people and I'm done there's only two types of people that don't praise God those that don't know him at all and those that don't know him enough now see personally I don't believe anybody in this church from me all the way to Elder Keon in the back praising God enough in this corporate setting you're like pastor I'm giving it my all well multiply that times two then by 500 we need to be a group of people that celebrate our God that's why we come together see people get it wrong people think church is a place to bring your lost family and friends too and that, that's not a bad idea but church, we gather together. We stopped gathering on Saturday and shifted to gathering on Sunday as in honor and celebration of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why the apostles started gathering on Sunday because he was raised from the dead on Sunday. And they said, hey, man, we can get together on Sunday and remember resurrection. And our, our, our service should be celebratory. Now, you know, if we went to great-grandmother's house. I'll give you a perfect example. Gail's grandmother, uh, uh, Gail's grandmother is going to turn 100 this year. Still in her right mind. And if, if we make it to the 100th birthday celebration, do you think that all of her family members are going to be sitting around, why does she get a cake? Look at this old hag over here. I ain't even trying to see why. They clapping for her. Well, anybody can live to be 100. If my boys, when we go to sing happy birthday to great-grandmother, if they're playing cards in the next room, 
Do you think that gives them an excuse not to stop what they're doing and get themselves in here and, and show this woman some love? We got common sense when it comes to that. Well, you want to come to church where we're bragging on the only God there is. The only God that loves you. The only God that died for you. The only God that fills your chest up with love, peace, mercy, and grace. And we got to dare you to clap for him. We need to learn how to take our worship higher, how to take our praise higher. I hope you'll come back tonight. See, if I, if I thought, if I, if I didn't see 42 people looking at watches right now, we, we, we would give you a shot at it right now. I'll save it for tonight. You come back tonight, we're going to worship God. It's going to be some kneeling. It's going to be some bowing. It's going to be some hand lifting. It's going to be some celebrating. It's going to be some clapping. It's going to be some dancing. You need to be here. Well, you know, I was planning on staying home, watching, watching my DVR recorded uh, editions of the repeats of NCIS. That's not good enough. I know everybody can't be here every time the doors are open, but you ought to come back tonight. You ought to press your way tonight. You're not, you, I, I'm not asking you to come hear me lecture for an hour. I'm saying we're going to celebrate. We're throwing a party tonight for God. And you're invited. Pray with me. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. God, I pray you forgive us for not celebrating you as much as we should. You are God alone, and beside you there is no other. You are great and greatly to be praised. God, I pray that you would fill our hearts with a greater love for you. Help us, God, to live out your commands so we can have your promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.